Welcome to the Pants Cast, brought to you by Lululemon, a show about all things pants. My guest is Matt James, former NCAA player and Lululemon ABC pant enthusiast. Hi, great to be here. Matt, tell us all about those ABC pants. The comfort? They're like the pants I put on when I don't want to wear pants. Versatility? You could wear these pants to a wedding, but you could also wear these to a cookout. And what about style? They're like if casual and cool had a baby. Well, it's clear why you're an ABC enthusiast. Pleasure having you and your pants on the show. Thanks for having us. Find the shockingly comfortable ABC pants at lululemon.com. Welcome to Random Movie Generator with myself, David L. And David Edwards at your side as always, sir, ready for some cinematic gold mine hunting. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, oh, I've got I've got all of the blanks all right to go blank. Oh, isn't absolutely. That's where the greatest epiphanies happen, when you just hit pause on the thinking, and then the old subconscious pushes something to the forefront, and you're giving a revelation. I was thinking about panning for gold, but you said that, didn't you? Absolutely. Panning for cinematic gold. Panning for cinematic gold. that's just repeating what, yeah. No, it's it's fair enough to repeat things. I think most conversations (laughs) are like that, aren't they? Well, here we are on the Random Movie Generator. How are you feeling when it comes to movies, David? Are you uh, pumped or not bothered? Oh, I mean, at the moment, it's a very um, popular time for films, isn't it? Because it's the uh, Barbara Barbieheimer, the idea that last weekend people were watching both Barbie and then Oppenheimer immediately afterwards because of a TikTok craze that was created about you've got to watch them side by side to get the full summer blockbuster experience. And the studios weren't even involved in creating this trend. Uh, like a lot of things, the internet just took over with memes. And because of that, uh, Barbie and uh, Oppenheimer have done incredibly well in the cinema, particularly Barbie. It's only been out for a week and it's already made $500 million. Wow, worldwide. So it's really? easy going to cross the billion dollar mark. So I think Mattel is almost going to be like potentially the next Marvel Universe, really. It's only the first film, but they've started incredibly well. Well, David, what did you watch last night? I saw Barbie last night. You did see Barbie last night. Absolutely. Got the old eyeballs finally on the uh, the big Barbie franchise. And um, Okay, so how are you feeling... On Friday afternoon, knowing Barbie was round the corner. Very excited, very interesting. Um, I've definitely succumbed to the pink marketing. It's um, definitely uh, entered my brain and uh, put me into full hype summer blockbuster mode. Has it? Yeah, I think it has. It's definitely interested me. Bizarrely, it reminds me of 1989 with Batman. Do you know when you had that very specific logo, very specific colour, loads of partnership deals with loads of other kind of products? It was like well, Barbie has almost been like real old school blockbuster advertising where you, it's just like um, a tsunami of kind of like uh, images and symbols alongside the power of the internet. Okay. So, you go with Brian. Uh, yeah, Ryan. Yeah, absolutely. You go with Ryan. Yeah. Barbie feels like the sort of movie you'd eat loads of sweets to. Well, it was a bit of a bizarre one, really, because I was fresh from driving back from uh, seeing my sister. Ah, uh, yes. And um, I had no treats in the actual car, unfortunately. Um and also, the cinemas is so expensive, the treats there. So I don't know why I'm sort of revealing this, really. It's a bit bizarre, but I had to kind of improvise, because I want to go in with snacks. And when I was there, I um, treated myself, as in when I was visiting my sister, I was in Asda, and I treated myself to um, a, a box of Kit Kat cereal that's only just come out. And I had a bowl of that when I was there at their home. And um, 
God, it's just incredible. It's just literally mini Kit Kats. You're just filling a bowl up with mini Kit Kats and then just putting whole milk on it. So it's just like incredible. So I took that in with me because I had some more Into Kit Kats. Cinema. Yeah, which is a bit odd. I wouldn't, you know, I felt like Travis Bickle. Like I was, you know, sort of at the back seat, sort of just scoffing. Well, it's not for the back, it's always the front. But it really... Hang on, hang on. Sorry, David. You bought... When you were at your sister's, you bought the Kit Kat cereal. Yes. You had a bowl of the Kit Kat cereal. Then plenty left in the box. You then drove back home. Oh, no, it's... Oh, no, apologies. It's, um... Oh, I drove home, yes, from her house. But I didn't drive back to my home. I went straight from my sister's house in the north all the way... With the the Kit Kat cereal? Kit Kat cereal to the cinema. Did you eat any of the Kit Kat cereal on your way down from the north? No, not at all. How did you eat the Kit Kat cereal in the cinema? I um, put it in my Puma gym bag, which I usually uh, put my um, uh, cinema snacks in. And then when the, uh, the lights were appropriately dimmed, I then brought out the box and um, just put my hand in the box, really, and just sort of ate it like I was a teenager in an American 80s sitcom. You ate it dry. Yeah, but believe me, this ain't your normal. This ain't your normal cereal. This is just like heavy duty stuff. It kind of gave me a sugar headache the first time I had it. Kit Kat cereal. Are these are these brand new, David? They are. They were brand new to me. I was like, "What's this? I want this." Okay, I'm looking at it now. Kit Kat cereal, Nestle, the delicious taste of chocolate and wafer now for breakfast, melt for our delicious milk chocolate coating. Wow, give in to our crunchy whole grain and wafer taste and experience the full cocoa taste explosion. Sustainably sourced cocoa. It, and it is a cocoa explosion, and it's like a cocoa apocalypse in the root of your mouth. And I'll tell you something else. The Oreo one I always found a bit disappointing, but this isn't disappointing. This is a proper Kit Kat breakfast experience. It really is. Do you know what I mean? So I was just eating. I just sat there eating mini Kit Kats. Absolutely wonderful. Is that how it comes out? Yeah, sort of. Not exactly, but once it's in your mouth, you know, you're definitely getting a Kit Kat kiss every time you crunch on the old uh, cocoa uh, grenade, if you like. Could you say? A Kit Kat kiss with a cocoa crunch. Kit Kat kiss with a cocoa crunch. Kit Kat kiss, cocoa crunch. That's all you need. A Kit Kat kiss with a cocoa crunch. A Kit Kat Kat kiss kiss with a cocoa crunch. A Kit Kat 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 kiss with a cocoa crunch. There you go. Have some of that. That's the advert done. What did Ryan eat? He didn't have anything. He saved himself a McDonald's afterwards. Did you have McDonald's afterwards? Nothing crazy, because I was kit-catted out type of thing, but I had a very small mini McFlurry. Um, <laughs> and then yeah. I had a uh, chicken mayo. Um, it was not like a burger. Well, I guess it is a burger. It's chicken and may- mayonnaise. Just quite small. And a McFlurry. So, you know, kept myself going, though. Kept myself treated to little por- portions of fun. Yeah. <laughs> which needs to be done do you know what I mean you've got to keep involved with the whole kind of uh, these kind of like mini British shopping malls of Americano sugar treats that keep us going at the end of our working week <laughs> that sounds like a blur lyric there I went a bit Damon Albarn didn't I this consumer uh, hell we're in so Barbie was it busy very busy sir was it? Barbie is magnetised, is the uh, flame, and the general public of West Sussex are the moths. They are coming in 24-7. You know, they've definitely, it's almost like the Mario Brother thing again. It's like people like their franchises, but they want an original swing on it, an original take. Did you get your front row seat? Absolutely. How? Do you get there early? Uh, no one wants to, to sit that front at the front of the cinema, and it gives me a bit of a um, a distance from the uh, the general kind of because they're so loud with their popcorn eating the herd, as I call them. No, I'm joking, but um, I am and I'm not. But yeah, you've got some kind of um, yeah distance there type of thing. 
Right. So, give us your review, Barbie. Barbie. Yeah, I would say... Um, You're underwhelmed. No, not underwhelmed. It was impressive. I mean, first of all, it definitely feels... It's, it's definitely fresh. It feels fresh and new. It's not something you've seen recently uh, whatsoever. Um Barbie world looks amazing. None of it's CGI. It's all done in camera. So it's almost got that 1940s classic Hollywood musical vibe to it. These really surreal, real built-in sets. The Barbie homes are amazing. You get a real sense of geography of, of the settings. Also, um, the performances by Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling are really good. Really, she's really good as Barbie. You know, she adds a lot of emotion into the actual part. Definitely, he's really good. Very entertaining. Goes without saying. And also, the other cast, like Michael Cera as Alan. Um, is it Cera? Is that how you pronounce it? C E R A. Sarah, Michael Sarah, sorry, as Alan is really, really good, which is Ken's friend, but he was stopped as a figure in the uh, in the seventies. Uh, Helen Mirren's narration is really good. It, like we've spoken about um, in previous. Jamie problems. in? Do you see Jamie in it? He's Jamie Dimitro's in there. Um, he's got a few lines, but a lot of the time he's just part of um, Will Ferrell's kind of corporate. Um, group kind of committee if you like and every now and then you can tell that he's done some great improv and they've kept it in but the majority of the time it's focusing on will farrell it's got to be said it's a case of um will farrell plays the actual ceo of mattel and it's his job to capture barbie and put her back into barbie world because barbie has an existential crisis she starts thinking to herself when am i going to die will i ever die and she starts questioning her reality and she has to actually then go into the human world to actually um connect to the um the girl that actually plays with her in the human world and then um she oh. has to then return back to Barbie world and recreate a balance between the two worlds. It's got a Toy Story. It's a bit Toy Story esque. It's more Matrix, Wizard of Oz, going between different worlds. They even make loads of Matrix references throughout. Uh, Mike Rolls says spoilers. Very true. No, that's not a spoiler. That would be a very. We have to respect spoilers, though, Mister Roll. You are quite wrong. One thing I'd say is the um, Mattel bits where you've got Will Farrell, Farrell, sorry, CEO, surrounded by people like Jamie Demetrio, he's kind of like, you know, um, advisors. That bit just seemed a little unnecessary. It just didn't add much to the plot at the end, I'd say. You could have removed that entirely and the story would have been exactly the same. The other thing that I thought was a bit bizarre, and this isn't like a major spoiler or anything, was... Um, and also, this might just be me, because no one else has noted this, but you've got the Barbie world, which is completely perfect. Everyone's like, you know, a kind of like a um, theatrical doll, kind of got a plasticity to them. Then you've got the normal world. But then when you enter Mattel, Will Farrell and um, his kind of like corporate committee, they almost act like they're in Barbie world. It's very strange. So sometimes the rules of the universe don't always make sense. It's like, well, if you're in the human world, surely you wouldn't have that kind of like plasticity, doll-like comedic tone. And I felt slightly Will Farrell was just doing very obvious Will Farrell. But having said that, a lot of, I know, goodness me, it's uh, who am I? To David, actually criticise the Saturday Live legend. David. What else do you expect, Mr. Edwards? He's trying his best. He's got four kids to look after and a wife and an L.A. mansion. But he's, isn't Will Ferrell doing Will Ferrell just very good, though? Surely. I feel as though it's like um, he's just an added element to tick off certain script writing expectations of having some kind of nemesis following her. It's almost as though it's not 100% required to the whole kind of um, narrative. It adds that self-aware postmodern element, but I didn't think... And also, it was just strange that the idea is it's supposed to be a fish out of water, whereby when she goes to the human world, everyone's a lot more cynical, a lot more casual, they're less theatrical because they're not living in Barbie world. But when you enter the Mattel building for some reason, it's very much got that Barbie-esque world element about it, the way that there's a chase sequence around the office and it feels like you're back in Barbie world, not the actual human world, which is... Um, 
it's almost as though the rules of the universe haven't been fully kind of worked out. David, um, uh, we've got someone called David Temple watching. Wonderful, wonderful. First time watching, long time listener. It's just as magical as I hoped it would be. Could you sing a little uh, song to David Temple, like a welcome song? Absolutely. Just to David, David, welcome to the temple of filmic dreams. David, I'm gonna open the door for you. Take a seat and watch some filmic dreams. Inside your house, inside your mind, is a beating heart filled filled with cinematic crime. I don't know what the crime bit is. That was a bit old, wasn't it? No. David, David, welcome to the temple of cinematic dreams. David, welcome to the temple of cinematic dreams. (laughs) That's what it's all about, cinematic dreams. Oh, oh, my throat, then. Oh, so, what did Ryan think? Wasn't impressed at all. He found it, I think he found it a bit too... um, uh, what's the word? Preachy. And, preachy? Uh, in what way? Well, it's very much about sort of feminism, uh, women um, standing outside the shower. And I was, which is like, whoa, 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 whoa. Keep women standing outside of the what? The showers? Uh, not the showers. No, they can stand in and out of showers. Not a problem at all. But I think he felt it was kind of, um, uh, you know, a, a bit critical towards um the role of men and things in that vein and um it had like an oh what i would say is and it was a valid point which is when they go back to barbie world it gets very much into gender wars and there's a lot of political kind of gender wars-esque monologues and one thing i would say is if i was 12 years old i wouldn't just be bored i'd be a bit confused and it's, it get, becomes quite dialogue based and it almost becomes um, it becomes a lot more satirical and it's got a lot more to say about um, well, gender politics. Simple as that, you know, modern feminism, the role of the female in modern society, because one of the things that when I saw the marketing, I thought was so clever was it was very four quadrant, you know, it was looking after both genders, both ages, getting Greta Gerwig involved, you know, very much a kind of um, awards friendly director, but at the same time pushing this very kind of like young tweenies, um, you know, b- toy brand. So you're ticking loads of boxes, which is exactly what you want to do for a blockbuster. But I'd say during the end of the second act, moving to the third act, it goes very much down a satirical political route. And uh, I would say if you're a kid, you'd be completely lost. But having said that, it's already made 500 million. So the kids are obviously getting something out of that. But so I would be very lost. So when you and Ryan walked out of the cinema, what was the um, what was the general feeling? Were you, nah, uh, Ryan, don't, no, nah, not into it. And you're, nah, it had its merits. Is I'd say general... oh, it definitely had its merits. It, I think we joked a few podcasts ago about uh, IBS, irritable blockbuster syndrome, just that same old formula. It didn't have that. It had some. It felt fresh. It felt new. It's got a great 2001 parody opening that appears in the trailer. It's got a great music sequence of Ryan Gosling that's filmed brilliantly, like it's like a classical Hollywood like musical called Just Ken great performances i would say that um i would have liked to have seen barbie more in the human world i think what i was expecting from barbie which is terrible really it shows how one-dimensional i am was it was going to be a bit more like splash do you know when you have this otherworldly figure then trying to actually interact in a human world but they're not in the human world long really most of it is back in barbie world and when it goes back into Barbie world, I could, and it becomes more a political gender war dialogue, more satire. I could see that, um, I don't know, the kids are obviously turning up, they want to wear their pink, but I could see they were getting bored around me, certainly, at that, at that period, definitely. But, um, the Barbie world itself and the, um, in jokes concerning not the. Being, not trying to be clever here. How can you see how the kids are feeling when you're sat on the front row? Um, going in and out, getting food, um, uh, chatting to each other. Did you leave f- the movie to get food? I didn't, sir, at all. But, oh, but I they, certainly but they turn did. my head around every now and then, like, do you want to be quiet, please? 
did you? Uh, it, absolutely. Like a submarine well, uh, periscope. Talking. Just moving around, a bit of eye contact. Well, people were talking a bit right behind you? Yes. Right. And ha- what did you say, would you like to be quiet? No, no. Because it, I mean, was, just, you know, it was just that. Perhaps just a bit of a gaze. Come on, guys. Let's, uh, we f- I know a lot of this is going over your head. Um, yeah. It's going a bit intellectual now. But, yeah. um, you know, let's uh, hit pause and uh, let's not be chatting, please. Because, I mean, the opening of it is just really kind of like very fun, very camp, you know, uh, lots, very pulpy, loads of fun. And then it suddenly takes this more intellectual point. See, the thing is, it, I, one criticism I'd say is, I don't know if it's got the Pixar effect, which is when Pixar was at its absolute peak, everyone was consistently entertained. And it was almost like a genius act whereby they were spinning all these plates at the same time. Lots of action and constant characters on a journey, on an adventure for the younger audiences. And at the same time, intense character arcs for the older audiences. I would say with this, you could see it stop starting. This is for the kids. This is for the adults. This is for the kids. This is for the adults type of thing. Right, David. Now's it's your turn to uh, rate this movie out of five chalk ices. Take your time. Have a think about it. You can have half a chalk ice, but this is your moment to rate the new Barbie movie. Over to you. I would say um, four chalk ices out of five. Really? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. I mean, most people would give it five. But I just say there were um, the Will Ferrell stuff just was a bit flat for me. I was I was thinking I don't know how this is really moving the plot along type of thing, and um, I would say at times it was um, I could just see that younger audience just sort of being slightly distracted type of thing, just not being consistently kind of point. But don't get me wrong, very fresh, very new. Real, I'd say a great palate cleanser goes without saying. A higher rate, Mike Rolls says, a higher rating than Oppenheimer. What did I give Oppenheimer again? Was it three? Is it 3.5? I think it was 3.5, yes. Yeah, the, the, the final hour wasn't as captivated type of thing. But um, yeah, it feels very fresh, very new. It's got a real, and also the, the lead, uh, Mark. Uh, Margot Robbie, really, really good in it. You know, she's not like just um, doing a basic Barbie performance. This isn't, you can tell that she's um, involved as a producer. She's got complete conviction in the role. It's not her doing one for the studio and then she'll go off and do like a small indie film. She's always got the integrity and focus that she's actually doing an indie film. This is a personal film, but at the same time, a big franchise movie. So it's hit that balance perfectly. Okay, thank you. Uh, thank you, David, for this week's... What is it again? Uh, what was it? Movie, movie Pulse, I think we called it, didn't we? It's all new. I'm not sure about Movie Pulse. No, it doesn't really make sense, does it, really? A title's got to make sense. Or just words put in the new correct... New Movie Review. New Movie Review. What else is a new word for new? I'm trying to something... Um, Zeitgeist news, that's too much, isn't it? Um, new news, no, that's that's not working. Um, uh, on the cusp of things, um, cinematic cusps, um, the, the here and now, something like that, in the movie moment. You can tell why I'm not in marketing, you can tell why I'm not in marketing, simple as that. Uh, oh, as you say, new, new review, a new review, latest reviews. <laughs> latest movie review, there you go. Fresh Thank you, David, kitchen. for this week's latest movie review. David Edwards, Movie News. So, David, uh, what's this week's movie news? Have you got any? I tell you what, the Venice Film Festival um, starts on August 30th, and Blumenexer 
it is filled to the bloody gills, if that's the word, right word if you're a fish or an Aquaman. May I, sorry, may I say, David, Daniel Clark said, I watched Barbie last week. I agree with everything David said. Peter RM said, I've seen it and I loved it. Becca B said, I saw it. I loved it. There you go. Absolutely love it. There you go. There Absolutely. You go. Do add anything in the chat forum of you know specifics or there you go or, or there things you, go. you disagreed with me. I'd be very interested to hear that. So I mean, check this out. The amount they've got coming out. You've got uh, Ridley Scott's Napoleon shown. It'll be premiered. You have Dune two by uh, Denise Van Dow. I have not pronounced his name. It's always a struggle. That I, one, I really it? is. It's just <laughs> frightening. Thank God I'm not his agent. Or I, I you're right. Whenever you start that name, your eyes go. Oh, it's just terrible. And also, ironically, he's one of my favourite directors out there. But I still can't remember his name. Do you know what? Let's nail it. Let's just do that. Nail... Let's just get that done. Yeah. So, June director. Denise Voudal. Valdau. I mean, I don't know. It's French-Canadian. Yeah. It's French-Canadian. Okay. Dennis Villeneuve. Villeneuve, absolutely. You've got it in what one, What were you Captain. calling it? Vidal, like it was a shampoo and conditioner. I've, 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 I've got a herb-smelling so Vidal. again? It's Denise Valdu. What's it again? Sorry, my, my brain is just... Uh, sorry, I've got this list of things in front of me. Do give, it, give it one more. It sounds like a Viking. Like a Viking rock group. You've got a block there. We need to bash this block down. Go for bash it. the block down moment. Give me one more, come on. Denise. <laughs> Villeneuve. Villeneuve. There you go. Denise Villeneuve. And at any point, um, test me during the podcast. Just leap on me like a mountain cat and say, who directed June? Blade Runner 2. Edward, Edward. Like a mountain cat. Villeneuve. Denise Villeneuve. <laughs> it's a village. When you, and when in the I middle do of that this, village, there's a nerve. <sighs> You know, the mountain cats. Oh, circling. absolutely. And I'll say Villeneuve. No messing around Villeneuve. The, the other ones, you've got another Wes Anderson film called the, the Wonderful Story of Henry Sugar, which is based on the Roald Dahl book, which are more adult short stories. And that's for Netflix. So it's another God, he makes these films, Anderson, doesn't he? Flippity skip. And you have a new Roman Polanski film and a new Woody Allen film. Both of those um, are seen as quite controversial because people yeah. are saying they've got such a checker past those two now. Should they really be involved in these big mainstream festivals? You've then got Michael Mann's Ferrari, Denise Veneuve. Is he doing the mountain cat? Yeah, I'm doing the mountain cat. Oh, just making sure. So I thought you were yawning or you are growling. I wasn't quite sure. (laughs) Yeah, carry on. I'll tell you one that looks really good. is Sophia Coppola's Priscilla, which is all about Priscilla Presley, which looks really good. But this one, Captain. Right. Get ready for it. Why has it made you talk like this? Can you really do a big build-up for this and then reveal what movie you're talking about? This has just got like this. It's uh, it's so much. This is a new film that's going to be premiered at the Venice Film Festival, yeah. And the ingredients are just scrumptious. It's like Kit Kat cereal, but we've laced with cocaine at the top. Can you give us the just one ingredient at a time? Okay, um, Michael Fassbender. <gasps> okay, this is getting sexy. Very much an anti-hero film. <sighs> Middle-aged man going through an existential crisis based on a, a very famous French graphic novel. Well, not oh. that famous, actually, but it's wow. very, very popular. Um, so, you know, very 70s style, Michael Fassbender. He's going through an existential crisis. He wants to retire. <coughs> getting quite emotional. Uh, he wants to retire because um, he's an assassin. And I've read some of this graphic, these, these graphic novels, and it's very much a man sat in an apartment, chain smoking, lots of th- overthinking in his own head because the guy across the street's got to shoot at some point. So you know, this is just crackling like electricity, exciting. You know, then you've got two other little elements, which is um, the chap behind the car- behind the camera is a little chap called David Fincher. Seven, Fight Club, Social Network. He does these 70s character pieces like an absolute dream. 
And then the fella who actually adapted it into a script is Andrew Kevin Walker, who wrote Seven. So you've got the dream bloody team coming back together. At one point, it was going to be Brad Pitt. It wasn't going to be Fassbender. I don't know why Brad Pitt fell out of that project, but it was going to be the Seven Fight Club trio. David, Um, what's it called? It is called um, Killer. I want to check that out to make sure it's called Killer, actually. I, I'm constantly giving you stuff oh, to edit. a shame you have to check I know, check it's it out. just absolutely... Would... It's not a... Sh- no, it's fine, but that's such a dramatic moment. I then. know, it's just like... Talk about just ruining it. It's almost like asking no, a woman to marry it. you. This, this and then the it is called Killer. For. 2023, it's called Killer. It's coming out in November. It's going to get a short theatrical Has anyone release. seen it? Uh, no. But it's definitely old uh, Fincher going back to what he's good at, which is like neo-noir, isn't it? Modern film noir with a 70s character-focused arc. And, um, yeah, God, it looks exciting. It does. Once again, though, it's got that nostalgia element baked into it where I'm hoping to get that 90s Fincher experience back again. But um, you can't into the cinema with too many um you know predetermined expectations in your brain because you'll you'll just be left uh, disappointed david even i'm buzzing oh god you should be captain it's got like a chase movie vibe to it apparently it's it's uh, looks incredibly good june 2 is also really exciting napoleon i can't wait priscilla looks really good it feels more natural more groundy more earthy compared to uh baz lerman's lerman's um elvis uh, denise villeneuve there you go you just gotta remember it's a village with a nerve with a nerve center What's that horse you're doing now, is that? No, no, you've sort of calmed the mountain. Oh, calmed the mountain down. Sometimes when you do sound effects, bizarrely, I can't always hear them. It's bizarre. Oh, sorry. Oh, no, no, it's not criticism whatsoever. I mean, you're you're trying to add, like, a whole Radio 4 drama element to it with, like, acoustics and things, and I'm I'm trying to get on board with it because I do like it's a new element. So that's really exciting. That movie sounds great, doesn't it? Right up your strasser. Absolutely, and I think up yours as well, so yeah, both no, our starters yours. at the same time holding hands. Um, and uh, Michael Mann's um, Ferrari sounds good as well, so lots going on there. As I say, when will th- all these be available to view in a cinema? David, well, this is the slight worry, which is because I think um, Finch's Killer will come out on time because it, it's main. When, when will, will that Netflix? be? Netflix, November and um, on Netflix. Yes, it'll get a short theatrical release. It'll get a short theatrical release, but then it will have the majority of its time on Netflix. So it'd be like the Royal, the uh, Ryan Johnson film, um, uh, Onion. What was that called? Glass Onion. And um, it'll have a very short theatrical window to appease the director, and so it can be entered into awards. But then, um, ultimately, it'll spend most of its time on Netflix, ultimately. But there's a bit of a worry that some of these films will be delayed because of the actor strike, and actors won't be around to actually promote the film. So you have the new film called Challenger that was supposed to come out. Challenger, sorry, the tennis drama that was supposed to come out at the Venice Film Festival. The tennis um, drama? Yeah, it's a gen- uh, tennis drama. And um, I can't remember the name of the actress who actually stars in it. Um, she's in Zendaya. She's incredibly famous, and it shows how unhip and unurban street I am to forget her name. But she won't be able to promote it, and they—they've said they've—they've they've spent near to ten million to get her involved in the film. And if she can't promote it, there's no use releasing it because she's a massive hook. Because obviously she's in Euphoria, the Spider-Man franchise, and she's a big USB unique selling point. So not USB, USP. USB is the name of the, the memory stick. U- unique selling point um, for the movie. So is USB the name of a memory stick? Yeah, USB. Uh, they memory sticks, aren't they? USBs? USB stick. Isn't it uh, like a... Anyway, sorry. No, you yeah. go for it, mate. What are you going to say? No, no, no. Ah! Uh, Denise Villeneuve. 
<laughs> what are you going to say about memory sticks, though? Do keep me on straight and narrow. No, no, no. So, anyway, thank you so much for this week's movie news, David. That's re- genuinely exciting. Those feel like a, a lovely collection of new movies. Absolutely. I think it will give you an indicator for Oscars. Teeth into like Ab- nobody's business. Absolutely, like a Blue Planet lion um, um, eating well, a zebra. You. Thank you. No, thank you. Thank you very much. No, thank you for that. So I was just waving at my wife. Oh, that's what wives are there to do, to have a wave, eye contact, wave, move on. There she go. So what's she up to? What's her... Uh, I don't know. What's her new plot, her new narrative, her new motivation? David Edwards Right, David, this week's movie review, I cannot remember what what movie Mandy... Uh... Hi, Mandy. Are you ignoring me? No, not ignoring you. Oh. Hmm. I'm not ignoring her, She knows she can, she can speak when she wants to. This is a very... Uh, I don't feel like that. ...feminist. And I don't feel like feminist we're, we're beyond feminism now. Do you know what I mean? And also, is she a woman or a man? I don't really know. I mean, you know... I guess she's got a man baked into her name. I, I mean, if you're a robot, I mean, it's all about microchips. I've got a vagina. You can get more gender fluid. She just said, I've got a vagina. Yes. There you go. So that's my answer done. Right. She has an electronic sexual organ, a, um, a USB port, basically. Simple as that. We're back to memory sticks. We've done a full circle. It's gone all a bit IT. Erotica, IT erotica. That's going to be a big genre when VR takes over. So, David, what is this week's movie review? This week's movie review is Extraction, starring Chris Hemsworth. Oh, yes. Yes. It's uh, Now, you were quite excited about watching this, weren't you? Well, anything was better than Zombies 2. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, that's not a good start. But, no, sorry, okay. I don't want to be immediately negative, sorry, because you've you got to respect that, you know, there are people who live in L.A. who spent a lot of time, didn't see their family for probably two months making Zombies 2, and then this, this little Brit man-child swoops in and just chucks scorn all over it. So there were some good elements. The dancing was in time and rhythm, and um, the actual sets were very colourful. Anyway, that was Zombies. Let's, let's talk about Extraction. Quite right. Move on. Move on. Do not be a prisoner to the past. Move on to so, the future. What is extraction, and how actually how many sittings? One sitting for extraction. Tell us all about extraction. Extraction. Basically, Chris Hemsworth plays an ex-GI soldier who's now a mercenary, who's who um, goes into dangerous. Um, locations countries like uh, bangladesh in this situation to do these missions and gets paid large amounts of money for it but right, it's basically already you're in aren't you already you're oh, pumped for this 100 percent. it's a proper 80s style action movie like an early stallone or schwarzenegger film and it takes itself seriously it's not really like john wick or mission impossible where it's a bit tongue-in-cheek a bit self-aware i think some people would probably find it a bit too much in the way that it's it is quite early stallone Schwarzenegger in the sense that you know it's a character on the edge you know he's um you see him drinking too much Jack Daniels taking pills he's almost like a Stallone Cobra figure he's obviously got a dark past and he's been given this job to go to Bangladesh to actually uh, save this kid who's been kidnapped by a drug lord in Bangladesh and um He's almost like a man who wants to constantly put himself in dangerous situations. It's an easy way to make money. And in between missions, he just basically um, uh, lives this kind of hedonistic life type of thing of um, living in this rural setting and just um, drinking and taking pills, trying to numb himself ultimately. So he has many, many demons. It definitely fulfills those action cliches. I would say, though, that before you carry on, let's have a little listen to a bit of extraction. Get out of the car. 
which is that, um, you know, you have that classic cliche, which is that one of the reasons why Chris Hemsworth's character is so numb inside and has his psychological issues is because he lost his child. And this new child that he's now going to um, save is almost a surrogate version of his child. So you get scenes like um, when he goes to try and rescue the kid, it goes terribly wrong. And um, his contact rings him up and says, listen, leave the kid now. We're not going to get the ransom money. Just leave Bangladesh. You know, you know, um, you're in you're in a dangerous situation. And he looks at the kid and he starts having flashbacks of his own kid. And it's like, it doesn't matter about the ransom. I've got to get this kid out. So it's, it's very cliched at places. But I've got to say, man, some of the action really very, very impressive all done in one take a lot of the time. And that, really, can you come up with a new word to, to describe the impressive action? Like, whamma, batma, lula. It would be... Some of um, the takes. Da, 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 da. Do you know when it's like your brain isn't even kind of working? It's almost as though... It's almost like your, your brain goes into Klingon talk. Do you know what I mean? You just can't even quite work out. <laughs> Is that good? Absolutely, it's a nice feeling to have your brain. Out the blue, just, just, just complete madness. And a lot of it's done in. It's not literally one take. It's like 1917. They've cleverly overlapped sequences with CGI. But um, lots of hand-to-hand, intense 18 certificate. As I say, almost like you got a video out in the 80s with like Jean-Claude Van Damme. Intense action sequences. Which I was, you know, really quite impressed by. So were you a bit like this? You're watching, and then... Yes, it was exactly like that. This is a movie. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Suddenly leaning in, eyebrows down. This is is pretty impressive, yeah. Can we see you do that? Absolutely, sort of... Like an eagle, my neck over, eyes down, like Sam the Eagle at the Muppets. Just very curious of what's happening. Wow. So in that moment, you like, okay, I'm watching, this is a good movie. This is a, this was like a quality movie. Yes. Absolutely. I was, basically, the way they've done, the Russo brothers produced this, and one of the Russo brothers wrote it. The Russo brothers are the people who did a lot of the, the, the important Marvel films, like the Avengers movies and things like that. But they were very clever in how they got their director. The director, they basically have followed the John Wick model, where they've got an ex-stuntman who's also did some second unit directing. And these people seem to be the future of action cinema. So Jad Stahelski Stahelski did the um, John Wick franchise, and Sam Hargrave, Denis Villeneuve. There you go. It's happening. Denis Villeneuve. There you go. I'm quieting the um, 
the, the mountain cat. And Sam Hargrave is come from the exact same John Wick staple of ex-stuntman, second unit director, now given these big uh, opportunities to direct an actual movie. And it seems to be the way to create decent action cinema because the hand-to-hand combat is nuts. Loads of it's in one take. You have this amazing gliding steadicam shot of Hemsworth just wandering from corridor to corridor, mutilating men, which isn't something I want to promote, but, you know, it's not bad for Friday afternoon entertainment. Also, Bangladesh is really Who's well the director filmed. again? His name is Sam Hargrave, and he's an ex-stuntman and second unit director, um, very much copying the same formula as John Wick. Um, do you know the one thing that really frustrated me, though? I was sat there thinking to myself, it's such a shame that this went straight to Netflix and I'll never get to see it in a cinema because it'd be such an amazing cinematic experience. They spent $65 million on this visually really supplement, just real treat of a splendid action film. And um, at the end of the day, it's just gone straight on Netflix. You can tell why Netflix have done it. They're trying to show subscribers that, you know, we have no limit when it comes to budget. We're like any other Hollywood studio. We're going to give you top ranking, you know, cinematic experiences when you subscribe to Netflix. But it does almost seem like a, a waste. That, I mean, because Extraction never went near a cinema and it's designed for a cinema. Do you know what I mean? I mean, having said that, you've got to be realistic when you watch the film. It is very cliched plot wise. But I mean, um, for a, for an action movie, and I can see why they've done a sequel. I can see why it's been popular. But for a bit of escapist action cinema, it ain't bad. It's a lot better than I was expecting. It's not your usual throwaway Netflix tosh. There's a bit more there. And it's pure visual over content. Don't get me wrong. But I think you'd have an exciting evening in the cinema, certainly. Okay, David. So it's now time for you to rate extraction. How many chalk ices out of five are you going to give the action movie Extraction? I would say 3.5 because as it goes along. Oh, it did not sound like a 3.5. And that's the beauty of you, David. Because I would say that, you know, um, as you get to the third act, it, it's very cliche. It's very obvious where it's going. <laughs> wow. But I mean, visually. That's like a right turn for me. I mean, it's very near to a four. I mean, I, I'd never, I don't think it'd ever quite be a five type of thing. So it's on the cusp of a four. The 3.5. Sp- it's a 3.5, David. But I mean, in places, very, very good. Did it in one sitting. Um, and I would like to have seen it in the cinema. I think it would be worth that definitely but i mean it is very much um it hits very obvious plot cliches you know it's got that whole you know did chat gpt write this do you know what i mean it's kind of like it's got that kind of element to it but visually really impressive and chris hemsworth's very charismatic and watchable definitely and i see some people wouldn't like the way it takes itself seriously but i quite like that you know what i mean it's got it's it's heart on his sleeve DDD PPP says that was a David Edwards plot twist. Were people expecting a four or five? They were. They were. They were. I think it doesn't matter. That's the beauty of you, David. They're they're hanging on off every word. They're never sure what you're going to come out with. You came out with a 3.5. I think one thing I'd say is if you don't like the action genre, you'll just find it testosterone tosh. Okay. Thank you so much, David. (laughs) This week's movie review not a problem captain happy to be happy to be of service happy to feel like i'm giving something back to society david edwards movie tips david what's this week's movie have you got any movie tips? Yes, I certainly have. Uh, Alice, oh, Alice passing David the... Uh, absolutely, a piece of paper that's been handed to me. Here we go, 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 uh, Captain. Yeah, it's basically, there's a new book on currently, currently re- reading called Burn It Down. 
it's become quite controversial in Hollywood. And it's all about the uh, toxic environment of Hollywood, basically. And You're um, reading this currently, are you? I certainly am. Sorry, Alice. Sorry, David's just been passed um she's a bit unorganized in giving me my bits of paper though which is slightly annoying but i'm going to meet her halfway and i'm not going to be toxic unlike the producers that are chronicled in this uh, book called are Bur- they named in this book oh very much so burn it down power complicity and a call for change in hollywood by maureen ryan I mean, the most interesting one, really, is the producer, Scott Rudin. Scott Rudin is fascinating because, as a producer, he really is successful. If you look at the work of Scott Rudin, there'll at least be one film he produced which is important to you. I can't think of one film that he hasn't produced that I don't think... Like, for instance, he produced... um, Definitely, I don't know if he produced Rushmore, but he definitely produced a lot of the early Wes Anderson films that I love. He also produced um, No Country for Old Men, your favourite film of all time. He produced American Beauty. Uh, He produced um, The Social Network, the David Fincher film we mentioned earlier. So, you know, the man has got impeccable taste. Uh, He's got an amazing filmography, but unfortunately, he's also a sociopath. And very much they were saying that um, if you still come up with the goods and you're good at your job, it's amazing what you can get away with. And Scott Rupin, uh, Rudin, sorry, um, he never sexually, um, you know, was inappropriate to anyone in the in his office. But um, the things he would do to people were pretty shocking to the extent that um, his PA upset him. And he said, right, once again, you've messed things up. Uh, get out the car. Get out the car. And the PA was trying to say to him, but but Scott, please, please. He says, no, get out the car. And the PA was trying to say that the car was still moving. But he was so frightened of Scott Rudin, he just got out the car. It has to be said it was slowing down. So Scott was kind of meeting him halfway to a certain degree. But he literally jumped out of the car in New York and uh, rolled along the pavement. And as we know, you know, life isn't die hard. That could be quite horrific to you. And um, what I was going to say is, the other thing is, um, he broke a man's arm with a TV monitor. So uh, the man is completely out of control. He's completely insane. And people are in therapy even now after dealing with his toxicity. But um, And also, the other thing is that people find rather shocking is that people like Aaron Sorkin, Wes Anderson, the Coen brothers and Francis uh, Dormand, um, who's married to one of the Coen brothers, they knew how toxic he was because they had constant involvement with him and how uh, intensely, um, you know, just well, violent he was to the people he worked with, but they never called him out or... Um, or basically criticised his behaviour because his eye for a decent script and a decent project was just so, so good. You know, well, there's so many articles about him online. Oh, endless, how endless. Mean he is. Oh, incredibly mean, but at the same time, incredibly talented. And it's the idea that even more so than um, Weinstein, because I mean, Weinstein's filmography, yeah, Weinstein was good at, you know, promoting films, getting awards, creating a power base, but not like Rudin. I mean, um, he really was, if you look at his filmography, American Beauty, it goes on and on. And um, and also the other thing is, obviously what Weinstein did was very much behind closed doors and hidden to the majority of people. Rudin basically broke a man's arm with a TV monitor in the centre of the office. Everyone saw it. Uh, This is a statement by Hugh Jackman. Oh, yes. I want to say how much I respect and applaud the people that have spoken up about their experience working with Scott Rudin. It takes an enormous amount of courage and strength to stand up and state your truth. And it goes on and on. But the thing is, did um, Hugh Jackman say that as one of the early adopters of attacking Rudin or was he after you know because I mean now Aaron Sorkin has completely distanced himself from Rudin 
But before that, there's video footage of, of Sorkin just praising Rudin 100%, saying that he give, gave him the best notes ever with a script. Um, because, you know, the guy's taste is impeccable, but um, he's an absolute, uh, well, not even sociopath, really, psychopath. Wow. And this is called, the book's called Burn It Down, is it? Absolutely. There's another fascinating chapter about um, what it was like to work in the lost um, uh, TV writer's room. And apparently that was very xenophobic at times. There's a lot of white middle-aged men making... um, It's almost like they they was... A lot of people were saying that it was like a tongue-in-cheek, almost slightly... um, self-aware mode of humor where they were making sort of jokes about latinos and things like that but doing it in a kind of like alan partridge mock manner do you know what i mean where you're you don't really mean it you're just saying extreme things but it just made the people in the room who were of a latino background very uncomfortable and this is called burn it down and this is a book david's reading now and he really recommends it could you a real insight of that i'll tell you one th- the last thing i'll say very very quickly is Okay, I'm trying to end this section. Sorry, but but I, I, I apologise. I'll, I'll lend this to... There's a Kevin Spacey film that he made in the 90s called Swimming with Sharks, and it's about... He plays a producer, and he um, victimises this um, PA, really makes his life a complete nightmare. And... Um, Agent Hollywood agent firms buy, uh, print on DVD anymore, they probably just give it to you on a memory stick. I'm back to memory sticks again, I'm obsessed by them. And it, they give them to trainees as uh, an example of what to expect when working in Hollywood. And it's a nightmare psychological thriller. I mean, Kevin Spacey's like a horror creature in this film, but it's actually seen as like a training video. This is what you need to do to get through Hollywood. And what happens is it's such a horrific experience if you get through it that you feel it's then your opportunity to bully the people below you because you're so scarred by it and you feel as though you've awarded that medal to actually get through the bullying that once you're actually in the actual, you've got a key to the town, it's like, well, you know, it's my turn now. David, thank you so much for this week's movie tips. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your your eardrums. Thank you for your heart space. Heart space. There's space in your heart for my Oh, heart space. Absolutely, yes. Thank you, David. David Edwards, Random Movie Generator. So, here we go. Uh, Mandy is rumbling in the background. Here we go, I love, When you were talking about extraction, David, I loved that this was a pleasurable experience for you. It wasn't a Zombies 2. It wasn't a Croods. This was a film you enjoyed. And that's life, innit? You just don't know what's around the corner, though. You've got to but was it, it. Is it a different sort of experience for you when you're watching a movie like this for the podcast the following week? Are you actually enjoying your time? Oh, what? Um, when I'm talking about it on the actual podcast, no. When you're watching a film like Extraction, oh yeah, God, yeah, I sat there quite happily. With, I think the other thing is, it's just like it was a night. I mean, I, I was happy to watch Extraction, as you say. When I got it, I was like, oh, that would be good. You know, I can get into that. But I wasn't expecting the action to be so um, visceral, and also just very kind of. It, it's almost like Netflix has got so much money; they're almost being wasteful. The idea that that film did not get a theatrical release is almost just like a bit disgusting. Do you know what I mean? 65 million? I guess it's not 100 million, which is the usual budget for a blockbuster uh, cinema release. But it's certainly um, to think that people have only just. I can imagine the director being very frustrated that you went through all that time, energy, and hard work, and people are just watching it on mobile phones and laptops. Because it's not designed for that. Well, David, this is this week's random movie generator. Let's find you a movie that you're going to enjoy. Um, here we are. Mandy's ready to go. Um, let's pick the genre of the movie, potential movie. Here we go. We're reviewing next week. Here we go. Take your time. The genre of the first movie. Stop. Comedy. Can't go wrong with a bit of laughter. And now the decade. Stop. 
1990s. Farley Brothers. That that really is a good time for comedy. Jim Carrey at his reign. Mandy, will you please generate four comedy movies from the 1990s? Mandy's generated four comedy movies. It's now time for you, time for you to tell her when to stop spinning those movies. Stop. Runaway Bride. Oh, that's a Julia Roberts one with with um, uh, Richard Gere, isn't it? Yeah. They came yeah. back together after Pretty Woman. What are the other three? The other three. First Wives Club. Club. That's um, Goldie Horn. Goldie that? Horn. Yeah. Mediterranean. Who's in that? Don't know. A Naked Gun, two and a half, Smell of Fear. Oh, my God, that's a real retro. They're redoing Naked Gun with Liam Neeson, believe it or not. There you go. Little something to consider. Okay, okay, let's find the second movie that you might be reviewing next (laughs) week. Take your time, David. Let's pick the genre. Stop. Documentary. Wonderful. And now, the decade. Stop. 2010s. Mandy, please generate four documentaries from the 2010s. She has done. And now it's down to you to tell her when to stop spinning those movies. Stop. Won't you be my neighbour? Won't you be my neighbour? Won't you be my neighbour? Is that about the children's TV presenter? It looks like it could be. And then Tom yes. Hanks did a movie version of that. Maybe. It looks like it could be. Oh, I really wanted that. to see that. <clears throat> okay, not too bad at the moment. It's going pretty well, David. a well-known TV, a kids' TV presenter that was very big in America during the um, 70s and 80s. And Jim Carrey also based a TV show on him as well. Okay. Right. The third movie that you might be reviewing... By no, yeah, that you might be reviewing next week. Let's pick the genre. Really take your time. Here we go. Stop. Drama. Okay. Bit of tragedy. Now, now the decade. Stop. 1960s. Oh, here we go. Could be a classic. Or it could bore the pants off you. I think 60s drama, that could be interesting. Okay, here we go. Please generate four dramatic movies from the 1960s. Mandy has done. And it's now time for you to tell her when to stop spinning those movies. Stop. Eyes Without a Face. What's that one about? Eyes Without a face. Surreal stuff. Okay, David. So, I've I've uh, given each movie, David, an A, B, and a C. Runaway Bride, Won't You Be My Neighbour, and Eyes Without a Face. I've jumbled them up, or have I? And it's now time for you to choose which movie you will be reviewing next week. C. Eyes without a face. Oh my lord, what is that about? I've never heard it in my life. Shall I read it to you? Please, please, please. A surgeon causes an accident which leaves his daughter disfigured and goes to extreme lengths to give her a new face. Is it an easy one to... Will I better find it? Is it... Is it does it look like it's got any stars in it or...? I think it's French. It, a French film from the 1960s. I'm, I'm just going to say... I'm just going to say this, David. The first review I've seen of it... Is it Rotten Tomatoes? Yes, yeah? absolutely. 97%. Right, okay. That is what you're dealing with. The first review I've seen of it, 
five stars. Okay, I'll be interested, very interested. Eyes without a face. Okay. Eyes without a face. Face, face, face. without a face. How are you feeling about that movie? Well, now you said the reviews, maybe there's a big hole in my film knowledge there that I need to fill in ASAP with some Peter cinematic RM cement. Says it's a lovely 88 miniter. Oh, God, so he knows it, does he? Well, maybe he's looked it up. Oh, right, okay. But I don't know that one at all. Who was the no. director called? Is it French uh, New Wave type of. Uh... Director. It's horror drama. Ooh. Is it anyone famous director-wise, is that? Uh, Georges Franju. Okay, I'll, I'll check this out, sir. It's definitely grabbed my attention. Georges Franju. Thank you so much, David, for this week's uh, Random Movie Generator. Thank you, sir, and thank you for giving me a French cinematic challenge to open my filmic eyes to something new and cultural. Are you up for answering some Patreon movie questions? Looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. Um, okay, so we're going to go into the Patreon shed to answer some questions. In the meantime, thank you everyone for downloading this podcast. The numbers are growing. It feels lovely, oh, it feels, doesn't it, David? It, you know, orgasmic. It just feels like, you know, absolutely sublime, euphoric. There's no other word to describe it. Thank you very much, everybody. Um, we're doing a deep dive this week, aren't we? Absolutely. On Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Kevin Costner, Kevin Reynolds, 1991. Absolute, you know, heyday of summer blockbusters. Beautiful. Beautiful okay. stuff. Thank you very much, everyone. Thank you, David. And uh, I'll see you over in the Patreon. Looking forward to it. I'm going to be over that shed right now. Thank you for your time, people. Thank you.